now arriving downtown Santa Monica Station. Hey Adam, it's time for notes on your notes. I'm Adam Lesser. And I'm Joshua Townsend Zellner. Welcome to Notes on Your Notes, a podcast about the creative process and storytelling. And Adam, oh Adam. Yes. Where on the planet are you this week? I am in San Sebastian, Spain. Wow. Hola. Hola, mis amigos. Bienvenidos a España. Tijuana, Mexico. You know what I heard about Spain? It really blows my mind. Uh-huh. They don't have corn tortillas there. Uh, isn't corn from the New World? Yes, it is. But, you know, in my naivete, when I went to Spain the first couple of times, I was like, they don't have, they, all they had were flour tortillas. And I'm like, what's up with that? They and really like wheat like, here. Ta- taquitos. And they were like, no, no taquitos. And I'm like, well, how about some Doritos? And they were just, <laughs> anyway. Go back to America, you gringo. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you doing there? Oh, well, my mother's 70th birthday, uh, this is a celebration, this is a trip that she had wanted for a long time, and so for Mm -hmm. her 70th, the family is with her in Spain. She, my mother paints, Mm -hmm. and she loves art, and so she wanted to be... Oh, Gaudi, right? So you guys went to Gaudi? She wanted to be in Barcelona to see the architecture of Antonio Gaudi and Picasso's work. And she wanted to come here because this is right near the Guggenheim, Bilbao. She wanted to go see oh. the Frank Gehry architecture and building and all the art in the in the Guggenheim, Bilbao. So I heard it. I heard it was really wild because like it's the only thing that's out there. It's like there's nothing, nothing, nothing. All of a sudden, here's the Guggenheim, and then is that true? That's what so I. So yeah. So what people tell me is that it was an industrial steel town for a long time, mm. and mm. they somehow then. I'm sure there's a long story, but they obviously convinced the Guggenheim to build a museum there. And apparently a lot mm. of it's been redone. Mm. It's just kind of an interesting thing, like from a museum perspective, you know, it's like normally museums are like, oh, you want to build them in like London or New York or, yeah. you know, some big place where lots of people come. But now there's, I guess if you want like unlimited land, like it's probably really expensive to find land to build on. Mm-hmm. Even in New York, the Whitney moved from the Upper East Side to um, Lower Manhattan uh, a few years ago. And I just kept thinking, man, like, God, how did they get that real estate? Because were they, they have this massive new building in Manhattan, which must be outrageously expensive. I guess they, they have the old building, but, mm-hmm. um, and I guess it's New York, so they probably have crazy donors who have billions of dollars. But, like, there's an interesting selection because the Guggenheim also has... Uh, museum in Venice, and I think they have one in the Middle East somewhere, maybe Dubai. I don't know. Wow. Um, but I, th- I have not been to the Guggenheim. We're going tomorrow, but. Uh, oh, okay. Tomorrow's the big day. Tomorrow's the big day. But my understanding for everyone in LA is that it, some of the, at least the outside aesthetics, look a little bit like the Walt Disney Concert Hall. Oh, so, okay. So it'll be so familiar it'll be the same to architect. you. Yeah. Um, anyways, I feel very lucky and very 
privilege to be here. And, mm-hmm. um, the other super cool thing that's happened is, and we didn't realize this until we uh, until we booked this trip, is that we actually are in San Sebastian the same time as the San Sebastian Film Festival. So I've been going to a bunch wow. of movies. <laughs> that is so cool. Great timing. Yeah, it was perfect timing. I've never been to a film festival, so it's cool to see. Oh, and very cool. Did you, have you seen any stars? No, I've not seen any stars. I think I, okay. well, that's not true. I saw the stars of the movie. There, so I went to go see this movie called um, Pacified, which I believe premiered last night. It was produced by, uh, executive produced by Darren Aronofsky, who directed a bunch of movies, Phantom Thread and Requiem for a Dream and a bunch of movies. Yeah. Um, but it was uh, set in Rio. It's in, in Portuguese. And so all the actors were there, but I did not recognize them. But they were excellent. Oh, that's fun. That's fun. Yeah. Aaron, were they there for a Q&A too? Uh, maybe it was like a red carpet, so I think they did like Q and A with the cameras afterwards, while oh, while the rest of us walked out. I got you. Okay. <laughs> but they were in the theater; they were like six rows behind us, and they stood up at the beginning. I had no idea oh. like this whole. I had never been to a movie. It's like an event. It was like there oh, were eighteen hundred right, right, people right. in the theater. It was a big theater. It is. It's it's so much fun to to go to that kind of screening or whatever you want to call it event. And yeah, I've, I've been to them where it's like a packed house and there's press and then there's people from the the movie executive producers, producers, directors, stars. Yeah, it was a it's whole. Fun. It was a whole thing, and uh, yeah, you just get also to. I don't know. We've seen a lot of movies that will never go to a theater mm. in the U.S. Maybe never go mm. to a theater ever. I don't know. And it's in a different. It's a different experience. It's, right. I still, you know, I still. It's nice being in a place where you can't check your phone. There are no distractions. Right. You're really just present for that movie. The sound yeah. is good. Uh-huh. You know, it's different. I, you know, it's like you can go buy a 70 inch TV or a projector and watch at home. I guess, but no, it's not the same. It's not the same. It's, it's that group energy. You know. Yeah, it's it is a group thing. energy. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, so I've been super lucky to do that, and it's been good timing because it's been raining. So we just got to movies. Um, How fun! A lot of the movies are in Spanish. Um, I would imagine, considering you're in Spain. <laughs> yeah, I think this it's film festival is like the premier film festival for Spanish language, and it's like the ah. biggest festival in Spain. So, yeah. Um, although there were some English, like uh, James Franco's new movie is here, and oh, um, Kristen Stewart was here, I think, for some movie I did not know about. Um, but. It's also really a nice town. I never. Everyone has said this. It's like a. It's a beach town, so it's cool. Right on. Good so. for you. Oh, what's that restaurant uh, that closed a couple of years ago? The one that has like the bull. Um, oh, I didn't know about this. Guy. Everyone told me about this. There's, a, I think, a movie called uh, a restaurant called El Bulli, which was like. Yeah. Like, yeah. I never know who makes these lists of what's the best restaurant in the world, but apparently it was it for a while. Yeah, Molecular gastronomy is really. Yeah, big here, that one. Which I don't. Yeah. Completely he bad. created it. That, that yeah. guy created it. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so that's that's not on the short list. Okay. That's not that. I've not been to any fancy restaurants. They have they have pinchos here, which are you go into a bar and it's tapas, but the way, they like in a Basque way. So this is Basque country. Uh huh. Um, and yeah, they'll just have like plate thirty plates, and you just go up and take what you want. But it, the tradition is like on a piece of bread, and then like whatever they put on uh-huh. it, like cod or. Um, egg or uh whatever they do they do 30 different kinds guacamole i have not seen guacamole i would love to see some guacamole <laughs> bahia bahia yeah, yeah. Um, that's cool and 
So yeah, I feel super lucky, and I come home soon. And and, and your mom's enjoying the your the time and going to museums and with her family. I think my mother is having a nice time. I think it's interesting. Like, I was thinking about how you travel and like what's important to people when they travel, and mm-hmm. such a like a nice thing you can do and privilege. But for her, like it's all like she just likes looking at art and architecture. Like that's her. Oh, that's what she loves. And I was thinking about this because. We went to the Picasso Museum in Barcelona, and mm-hmm. she was really excited to see it. And it's kind of this interesting museum because they literally have like everything he did between the ages of like twelve and twenty-two. They don't have any wow. of his famous like the none of the paintings you would recognize from Picasso. They have mm-hmm. right. It's almost like and from like like you or and I perspective of process and development, it's very interesting because you really see at a very young age him developing artistically and you see the changes and it's cool but it's very much a different kind of museum uh and i was watching my mother look at art and she still took so much pleasure in just the visual um details of the his artwork Mm -hmm. and i realized like i don't mind going to museums but it's not like my primary joy in life and i went to a lot of them because my mom and my dad as well really like art and it's not my primary pleasure in life but i was watching her and i realized like this is her from a sensory level this is what she loves most and it got me thinking because i was like i was like well what's like most important to me like what is like and like what would get me super excited And i was like well i think the auditory sense is much more important to me like I love well, clearly, clearly, I, right? Yeah. yeah, I'm very sound sensitive. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. music. I love audio storytelling. I love audio mm-hmm. documentary. I love podcasts, mm-hmm. and yeah. um, like that's super interesting to me. And even mm-hmm. when I go to movies, increasingly I'm noticing like I'm paying attention to the sound yeah. as much as the visuals. Um, whereas, like for me, like looking at a piece of art um, in a museum, like sometimes it's cool so it's just like it's like not i think i enjoy the experience more of just like learning about the artist more than i do actually the art mm-hmm. <laughs> like i like learning their story and their history oh so you're the guy who goes around with a little headset on, uh, on I you the headset. auditory thing. i'm the annoying dude like, that. yeah yeah talk to me talk to me tell me about the <laughs> oh, for sure that's fun that's fun there's something for everyone yeah are, are you having a piece of chocolate yeah i'm eating sorry here, look. Oh, no, it's, it's good. Ooh, nice. I got 91%. you a bar. 91%. Blanchard. It's a Barcelona chocolate company. I love it. Anyways. Um, I... Uh, it just got me thinking about character and being an artist and, like, kind of being aware of what your primary sensory pleasure is and it's like they can change over your life and but i really do think there is like i'm watching some of my friends and i was thinking about people really because like i have friends who just don't care about food they taste is not a huge thing for them right whereas i have other friends who like they're really sensitive and they really seek out new taste experiences i would put you in that category i think i think taste is one of your dominant senses yeah I mean, we're all hardwired with at least one dominant sense. 
And that's just how we enter the world. And then, you know, others can be um, developed to some degree. But you usually have at least, we, we usually have one dominant one where we really take the world in through that way. And you can tell because we, we repeat the experience. That's how we learn the best. That's what we're naturally drawn to. Um, and it even shows up in our languaging. Sometimes people, if you listen to people talk, they'll say, hmm, I, I, I hear you. I, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, right on. I hear you. And that usually means that person is more auditory driven or takes in the world through auditory like you. Or I see you. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see that. I, I can see what you're talking about. So they tend to visualize. They, be, they tend to see the world in a different way or they, they have to see something in order to get it. Um, and some people are more kinesthetic, where they actually need to have a sensory uh, feeling, like a um, like a physical sensation, uh, t you know, touch, temperature, that kind of sensation. Um, uh, and then the other two physical senses um, tend not to be as dominant for most people of smell and taste, even though. Uh, you know, a lot of people will smell their food before they taste it. That's always interesting to see, yeah. Uh, and some people, and taste and smell are actually, you know, inter intertwined. If you can't smell, it affects how you taste something. What do you consider your primary, your dominant um, I actually sense. consider, it's actually the, this, it's the seventh sense, you know, because I kind of, I passed on the sixth because that's the sixth <laughs> sense. And that's the sense of cacao. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a very highly <laughs> specific palette. Um, I would actually say that I take in the world, um, I take in the world uh, visually, uh, mostly. Uh, when I want to learn something, I do tend to go towards uh, auditory when I'm learning something, um, and as opposed to, like, you know, reading something about something. Um, and then... Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I really enjoy, you know, the process of taste in terms of nuance and layering and everything else. And that informs m my artistic creative choices and helps me. Um, yeah, that, like you were like, you know, you were talking about one time some people can sit around and, and they just love to like go to concerts and they can close their eyes and just get lost in the music. You know, and they come back two or three hours later. You know? Yeah, it is important. Like for me. When I write, there's specific music I often want to listen to. Yeah. And so, so he, but you see how important it is for everyone to, to really get into, like, and find and acknowledge and then work with whatever sensory thing is their thing and really go, hey, this is important to me. This helps me. Yeah, I think it is helpful, like, to know. Because I think it will impact, like, how you create a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like, I know even when I'm writing thinking about the sound I sometimes I'm thinking about the sound as well like mm -hmm. if I'm writing a screenplay I always think about, okay what's the sound right here whereas mm -hmm. some people I think just don't think like that like they just don't so, some people will see it it'll, 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 be, it'll be more visual, visual. for them yeah. I also think from a character perspective as you write characters it's a helpful thing to think about which is you know what is that what is that sense right because like okay like even if you take your like traditional American male who just wants to like drink beer and watch football on Sundays Mm -hmm. And you look at them and you're like, oh, they're not a particularly sensory person, right? Right? But that's well, kind of a stereotype. Gonna, and well, they're still going to have a sensory input that's, that's preferred over all the others. But right. They're going to tend to be less nuanced. Let's put it that way. In that right. They'll be less nuanced. Sensory. But I'm just yeah. saying, like, even if you take that stock character, yeah. knowing what their dominant sense is, for example, like, 
if actually like taste as deep is important for them and they have mm -hmm. memories of like their you know eating ribs as a kid pork ribs mm -hmm. on on the cattle ranch and like that mm -hmm. has a deep sense of you know home like knowing that about that character is helpful it's very helpful um like they could sit there and they could you know they could chug like half of a sip of a beer and go this is horrible and then you know give me my real beard or whatever it is because even though the taste is still there it's going to be focused towards whatever it is that they you know uh right. is in their life but I, I agree with you it's really important to identify in each character that you're developing as a writer or if you're an actor playing it is what is their dominant sense and it may be different than than you, the artist's dominant sense, and to work with it. You know, there's that movie with uh, Al Pacino called Scent of a Woman. Yes. That's so, a great so example, was, Joshua. Well, yeah. I was a big fan of that movie growing up. Yeah, so, so what was his dominant sen sense? Some sense right? of scent, right? Like, there are all these scenes where he knows woman's perfume. Yeah. And there's that famous, um, there's a famous ballroom scene in New York yeah. City where he tangos. Yeah, can't remember the actor's the actress's name, but yeah, that's he's he's somehow memorized and he knows the world that way. Yeah, he's memorized exactly. the perfumes of all these different women. Yeah. So it's really important to to really tap into that um, for your characters, and to and that's how you can differentiate because sometimes voices or character styles or speech patterns can sometimes bleed or blend but if you have the sensibility and you bring this to your work you can make some more interesting differentials 100 percent, 100 percent. well I, I love how you observe that all that from just watching your mom you were observing your mom observing art and then you created more art from the observation of her watching her art You're, that's fantastic you know what it is it's like hmm. how do i put this it's just like it comes from an honest place of surprise. I'm like, oh my god, this person is enjoying this experience so much, and I'm, I'm like fifty fifty on it. <laughs> like, right. I'm not yeah. that engaged. I'm not that engaged. Whereas, um, like movies, take for an example. Like, I love going to movies, and I think that's part of it. I was curious. We didn't really talk about this, but like, one of my sensory things I'm drawn to is story. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what that sense is, but I love that sense, that feeling of being in a story. So like, and, you know, a film is auditory and I am somewhat, I'd say I would like my visual sensibility is among the more like a tune. I shot photography early in my life, like yeah. in that way. Yeah. Um, I'm not, it's more like, it's different. Like, I think you can have different visual acuity in different ways, but anyways, uh, and well, we're also I, talking about sense and sensibilities because there's like you can look at a frame You're like I, I've seen enough of your photography to almost be able to identify like what's your style in terms of like oh that would be like an Adam photo you know especially your street stuff because you have a certain sensibility about uh, about like looking at more intimate moments but you also have a way you have a very beautiful way of balancing your your visual shot there's always, you know, I'm sure people have told you that before. This is really, wow. Josh really should be my agent. <laughs> really enjoying this. Yeah. Um, that's very sweet of you. Like that one it's, I can think Photography of is like the thing that like I did before I did everything else. Like I was shooting mm -hmm. for my college paper as a photojournalist and like, but like, yeah. and then I just continued to do it on the side. But like, I guess, right. We have like different, whereas like looking at paintings and sculptures, I'm like, oh you know, less of a thing for me. 
but like I guess where I was going with that was like I will go see like a lot of just like movies just to see what it's about because mm-hmm. I'm curious about story and like I'm interested in the sound and I'm starting to pay more attention to the visual aspects of it which I never really did um, right. as much like I think never consciously did it uh-huh. whereas a lot of my friends are just like no like why like I you know it's like and it's looking at my mom my mom will just go look at something because she's interested visually at something she'll just go like oh I'll go look at this painting whereas like I'm like I'll go look at this story out of curiosity you know it's like you're so engaged with that sensibility sometimes that you're just curious about it and it because it has the potential to be interesting and complex and pleasurable so, so, so I'm going to look at it from a slightly different point of view which is which is because I'm so interested because I'm so interested, because it, it takes up so much of my bandwidth, that I can, I, it, I'm drawn into it. I'm inexplicably drawn in. I cannot not. And because of that, I also am able to recognize the patterns and the nuances that are within that mm, form and have a different level of appreciation. Like I know people, like you, for instance, when you go to a feature film, you will be highly tuned to the soundscape. And then some people will be more attuned to the visual. And then some people I know, when they go to a movie, they're going for the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. You know? And so I feel like, I feel like that's one of, the magics, uh, one of the magical things about feature films is that, is that film actually incorporates all of it. I'm always uh, kind of jealous of my friends. I had, a, I had lunch with a friend recently who's made a couple documentaries and worked in TV. And, she said that like she just sees the shots mm-hmm. like she's going yeah. and doing this short doc right now which sounds like it's gonna be fucking amazing and mm-hmm. like i'm so jealous because like before i realized before she goes out she's seeing all the shots she wants already like she knows mm-hmm. and i'm like i wish i could i wish i thought like that but i don't like i don't and i'm like well, maybe i could which is weird to me because i don't think like that but when i shot street photography for that period I was always looking for to frame something and I was paying, yeah. I pay a lot of attention to light, but I also like, that's like a whole other level of where she's like, these are the shots I need in a narrative sense to tell the story. Like she's thinking this shot and this shot and this shot. And I don't think like that. And I've heard Michael Bay actually weirdly say the same thing. Yeah. But he was see, talking about how bad his memory was. I think in this interview, he was like, yeah, my memory's really bad, but like, I can't remember what I did yesterday, but if you asked me for like the opening, you know, whatever, 100 right. shots of this yeah. movie I made eight years ago, I can remember them. Why? Be- why? Because because he cares. Right. He cares about that. And, and, and the, the actual element of caring is what makes the imprint. And and and, and you're absolutely right. I'm going to go with, with what you're talking about, which is this thing of like you have a, a different sensibility in terms of you're looking to capture that which is. And as you capture that which is, you want to capture it in a way that's going to be dynamic in terms of its framing. These yeah, other people, a different thing. Yeah. It's a whole different thing. These other people are like, okay, I have this story to tell. And so now I need to create the, the shot list of how it's going to roll out. And so they're they're more methodical and they're more planning. They're, you know, and, and they're less... Um, I don't want to say less intuitive, but it's interesting because I was thinking about it because I think it, in some ways it like it must be like an intuitive thing for me for them. Sorry, because I was listening to that to her talk a few weeks ago, and I think like um, 
it's actually more structure. You the, think it the, is? The, it's like a structured yeah, shot list going into a shoot like that? Yeah, because there are certain people, like like some people actually think in schematics. So it's like she's not, storyboarding in her head. Yes, and and I'm, that's not my brain set either. Like, well, I don't know about you, but for me, I I don't think that way. I I don't, you know, those little drawings of like how to wire something and it, everything's on a straight line. You know, I think they're called schematics, right? Yeah. Yeah. Some people think that way, and I'm like, wow. It's not yeah. right or wrong. It's just that's that's how they're hardwired. And and for you, I I want you to to, to you know uh, you know celebrate your hardwiredness. <laughs> and 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 you know and go deep on 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 what it is you're into yeah for sure i thought it was really interesting what, what you shared earlier which is that when you're writing or something like that which is you know a certain medium yeah. um but you you're still drawing on your on your sound like how, how does it what's the rhythm how what does it sound like all those things will be important to you Oh yeah, I draw. I, I wrote a draft of a novel primarily to one album, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, to Van Morrison's Astral Weeks. I mean, um, I'm curious but for even, you, Joshua. Like, has but your even the rhythm? But even the rhythm is is going to be interesting yeah. to you. Like, when t- I, I I've worked with you a few times, and I I, I know that you're like mm, that doesn't feel right. The rhythm's a little off in terms of the language. And oh, so yeah. you, you're you're tuned to that. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, where there's other things I just am not smell and taste. I've had to really actually weirdly work on. I don't want to say, work on is kind of an odd word, but like mm-hmm. I was not really super connected to that sensorily in my life. And I, it's not a great thing to be disconnected from taste and scent because it impacts your capacity to like make good choices around food. And like, like, if, like people who are really dull taste sense. Mm. it's not they tend to choose really crappy food i've no this is a tan- tangent but like mm-hmm. if, if you don't have a sensibility around and mm-hmm. i had to really i actually have worked on that with with people with someone to like because i wanted to be in touch with like more in touch with what food was good for me but mm-hmm. you i mean i'm not saying you can't i'm just saying like certain things which i haven't had i've had to work on a little bit and it's gotten better over the years mm. um I was curious for you, like, has your, has your dominant senses changed over the years? Like, or has it, has it fluctuated? I I really feel, and my experiences with most people is that, uh, people that I know, is that it doesn't change. Like, the hard wire is the hard wire, and it's very unusual for it to shift. Mm. Um, I, I really feel that my main visual, uh, my main visual way of taking in the world is, is visual, for sure when i want to learn something which is slightly different it's auditory um so my seventh sense so what from a visual perspective what where are you most engaged is it as a photograph is it in a film is it looking at an art piece like uh, oil painting like what what visually excites like do you feel engaged by well you know um so this is what i find really interesting as well which is what directors am i drawn to Mm. you know what what work you know gets me like juiced when i walk out of the theater at the end and by and large it's always um uh uh, highly visual directors um and that includes people like um well uh the shape of water uh, uh, yeah he's amazing 
David Fincher, he tells his stories, but he used to be, he was a, an art student. Um, yeah. All the, all the directors that I tend to really be excited by their work have a very strong visual stamp. Uh, and they, and they create a world. Um, oh, what's that guy from the Monte, Monte Python years? Uh, uh, I don't know who directed it. Michael yeah. Mayland? No, the guy who used to be in Monte Python and now is a director. I can't remember his name right now. He did Brazil and he did... Uh, oh, Terry Gilliam? Terry Gilliam. He creates visual worlds. You know, all these people who create their own visual worlds really gets me like in, in a world... Um, it really gets me going. It's, so, like, did you see fun. Eternal Sunshine of the Spotted Mind or whatever? Yes, yes. So, like, that's very complex visually. Yes, that, he creates a very specific visual world. Or Wes Anderson. And that's a little. That's a. I don't want to say it's cartoony, but it's it's really high structure. It's high form, uh, and it's not always motivated a hundred percent, and it's not uh, connected to. Um, it's a heightened emotional reality. At least that's my take on it. Meaning, and so it's, when you say it's not always connected to the character. Yeah, I, I get the sense that it's being put on, which is part of the fun of it. I'm not. It's just not as compelling for me. Like mm -hmm. the Shape of Water, I actually believe those characters are those people in that world, and they're doing ah, what I they see. need to that's do to, to to navigate. You know, sometimes it, what was that one about the hotel? What was that called? The something the Grand Hotel or oh, the Grand Budapest Hotel? I didn't see it. Yeah. You know, it's fun, but there's some there's some scenes in there like they're like you're like it's like watching a farce, you know, you, like a Moliere farce. Do you like, watch Terrence Malick's movies? Yeah, that's a very strong visual style. Uh, that's a little. Mm, he goes into certain spaces that are a little not 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 for me. Let's just put it that way. I mean, like Tree of Life was extremely abstract in, in points. Yeah, and, like, points, right? Yeah. Thin yeah. Red Line was a bit more narrative. I mean, he's just like those. I mean, this is like the world of filmmaking where you can be extremely visual. And I, I, as you're talking, I'm wondering because TV is, has been a less visual medium. It's more about writing and story. I feel like, Oh, it's much more dialogue and, driven. And it's also, you're consuming it now on like a phone or maybe a laptop. Yeah. Maybe a television. Did you, do you feel like you don't enjoy TV as much as film because it's less visual? Yeah, the I mean, it's film as a director's medium. Uh, TV is a is an actor slash writer's medium, and that's why you know when I'm watching character development, you know, you can watch character a little bit more clearly. But even within that, like some of the things I remember from like you, let's use Breaking Bad, I I'll never forget certain scenes because of the visual, because of these tableaus, because of these these carved moments that are so specific and so beautiful. I'll never forget them. Yeah, that's interesting. So when you remember... You, wait, wait, wait. Let, let me ask you a question. Do you, do you remember films through auditory? Do you remember like a, a thing of like, oh yeah, I remember that sound or I remember that piercing... I mean, I, let's, let's just step back and say generally I have an absolutely awful memory. And so um, I don't remember anything. So let's just start there. Let's be honest. Okay. okay. Um, I, you know, it's interesting. I remember film audio if I'm in a theater. Because it, for mm -hmm. me, it's a very different experience. Because I'm like an theater. imprint. Yeah, of course. It's yeah, also, yeah. I think they're mixing film audio for surround sound in a way that it doesn't oh. come through on a, a laptop. But uh, 
Yeah, The Dark Knight, for sure. I, I got to see The Dark Knight in a beautiful theater. And mm. um, it was Christopher Nolan's... You know, the opening 15 minutes of that movie are some of the most, I think, well-made 15 minutes of any movie. And I think a lot of it is the sounds that they use. It's just... Even the, the, even the shots and, like, doors closing and cars moving... They did a really amazing show. So I do remember that sound. You know, and then there's stuff like A Star is Born where because it's a musical, I feel really kind of like, or it's a musical-like narrative. Um, I remember that a lot. Uh, when I think back to movies that I remember or really admire, more than anything, I think I probably have, my memory is emotional. So if I think back to like, the movies I liked, like The Graduate, or even The Fighter, or I'm blanking on a lot of stuff, or even The Conversation, although The Conversation is incredibly auditory. I was just going to say, if, it's if, like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, weird, the, the auditory. The whole film is built the around The whole film guy is who, like, actually, yeah. if you haven't it's seen you. that, so for it's those who haven't you, seen Adam. it, it's, it's actually I would recommend you, it. It's, it's a documentary. The movie, it's but a I got a chance to see that in a movie theater in New York City. Yeah. which is not that easy because they don't screen that movie. It's a movie that Francis Ford Coppola made between Godfather 1 and 2. Um, it's with Gene Hackman. And it's got, I think, a Duke Ellington soundtrack. But it's just like, yeah, he the whole movie, it's so bizarre because the shots are almost secondary to the sound. And he's and and the soundtrack, and the, it's, a weird, it's a weird movie, but I really like it. Yeah, there but are this, movies like that, but then there are movies that I just eat build. up with story. And I would say, like, I don't like... I don't like experimental movies where story is not well done. I have a hard but time I with that. I get bored. Is, what I like about this conversation is that his suspense in that movie was insane and it was yes. all around auditory. It was all around the audio. It was amazing. Um, so here's what I'm discovering as you share with me, Adam, is that the more appreciation, the more appreciation that I, the more energy that I come to the thing with the more appreciation I have. And when I have more appreciation, I actually dig deeper and I can go through many, many layers. And the more layers of an experience there is for me to appreciate, the more I'll be drawn in. And it's like this endless cycle. That, and it doesn't make a difference if it's auditory or visual or anything. Yeah, it's like, and I, it's that, I agree. Mm -hmm. And I think the trick is as a human being for me, I would say is, not to become overly conscious of it, but usually just have it be organic. Like just more like you become hi more heightened in your sensitivity and what uh -huh. you notice uh -huh. without being unable to enjoy the experience. Because sometimes I've noticed from a story perspective, like sometimes I end up going to movies and I'm like, um, this is going to happen and this is going to happen. Because you just see everything being set up and it kind of takes the fun away. And what I'm going for in my own life is to be able to be both in the present moment, enjoying it, and on a very unconscious way, noticing it, but noticing it not in a super unpleasant conscious way, but noticing it in a play where I'm just like, I'm just more sensitive so I can enjoy more of it. I have a strong point of view on that, and I feel like it's 100% <laughs> okay to be able to break it down in its most nuanced form on a, on a technical basis when I want to. And then, yes, it's wonderful to have the ability to be able to drop all of it and enter into a, into a, a film or a piece and just and go for what I call go for the ride. Um, do you think it's possible to do both? At the same time? Yeah. No, because because one is your observing technique. On the other side, you're you're in it, and, and and if you're truly in it, then you're not observing technique. I think that's true. 
So Although simultaneously, no. But can you? I wish I could parallel sure. process. There you go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm working on by locating. <laughs> nice. Well, I'm just saying when we enter the singularity and my brain yeah. is uploaded to the internet, yeah. I think I'll be able to parallel process. I'm working on parallel parking. <laughs> oh. Ooh. But um, yeah, yeah, I, I, I yeah. But I, th- I feel like you can do, you can, you can also watch a film a second time too. That's true. There's also the thing. I, I also feel like people earn it in terms of in the terms of like if I'm not fully entered and I'm just going to be watching the external process of what it was to do this film, then that tells me that they didn't get me in sufficiently in the first ten minutes to go for the ride. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and then I have to be able to use my time well. So I'm going to go. Okay, how is this working? How is this not working? How how could it be made better? what other choices were possible. Well, I mean, that's your, like, superpower. Yeah, that's my superpower. Like, Josh, your superpower is that, like, you can look at something that's mediocre or, let's be honest, crappy, and you can, you're not like, this is crappy and dismissive. You're like, well, if yeah. you explore this and then move this yeah. and answer this question, it could go from being crappy to, like, a B-. minus. And then once it was a B-, minus, you would explore further, and, like, how do we get it to a B? Like, that's your yeah. thing. Yeah, which is my, that's my thing. Yeah, yeah, it's my jam. Yeah, yeah, and and I feel like I feel like we always have those opportunities, uh, and to really use them as opposed to like checking out and thinking about your laundry list of things to do, or or what you can do is do meta like what you do, which is go to the museum with your mom, and if you're not really digging it, start noticing how much your mom digs it, and then ask the the key questions that brings amazing in, uh, insights. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's all it's all a win. Yeah. I mean, I still like looking at art. I just experienced, I was just aware I experienced it. Different. Like, I'm fascinated. I was like, oh, and then he decided, you know, and then he moved to Barcelona and he got the studio there because it allowed him. Like, I'm more interested in his work habits. In, in the story right there. Like, <laughs> his mind I'm like, oh, he habits. needed at 21, he decided he would get this little studio in this neighborhood because it allowed him to work during these hours. Like, that's, fa- like, I love Mason Curry's book, I think it's called Rituals. Um, it's oh. all about the work habits of artists nice i mean it's a beautiful book and like um it's i'm like oh that's what some like i think there's a she he has an entry about Simone de Beauvoir, the french writer where it's like you know she he would she would she would go over to jean luc's what's his name starch's uh place mm-hmm. and her hours were to write in the afternoon like they would write to you know it's just like oh that's how they worked you know like that's curious to me I think it's great also because it helps to inspire me. It also helps to expand my range of possibilities. Like right now I'm thinking about going um, somewhere um, in Europe for like two weeks and just go deep. Okay. I'm glad you mentioned that because one of the things I I had this week was like, I'm like, I really want to write an essay about how how people travel. Oh. Because I've been noticing that more and more I've been something I've been thinking about is like the way we travel is odd to me tell me I'm so, so just to get back around I the reason I've traveled a lot in my life is because my mother is a travel agent right so <laughs> a travel I've, agent who loves art okay yes, who loves uh-huh. art so I've been very lucky um in that like my mother's often been invited places you know it's what she cares about it's and you know, I'm close to my I'm very close to my parents and like and my mother and so um isn't there a magazine called Art and Travel or Travel and Art or what's that called? There probably, travel and something. There isn't, there must be. But anyways, yeah. it's like what do most people do? They show up in a city, they go to these pre-lists of like 
attractions, museums. It's painful. It's painful. Like historical locations, palaces. Yeah. And I have like so little I don't have a huge interest in doing this. And then my sister will yell at me, well, like, that's because you've done a lot of that and you're lucky and you get to see. And I'm like, I don't, I think that's part of that. True. I am extremely lucky, but it's also, I think part of it is that, um, I actually like from a sensory experience, I just want to be in that place and try to feel a little bit of what these people feel. No, see that that's what it is, Adam. It's your sensibility because I, I have a, I have the same point of view. It's like I can't stand going to a whole other city, a whole other country, and then being in my little American bubble and going to the museums and go. I want I don't want to go to the Ramada in 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 Pac in in Paris. You know what I mean? Like I, I want to go in the outskirts and I want to go like where real Parisians go and have a real Parisian experience. And for me, or, that's or Berlin or wherever it is. Yeah, and for me, it's not about. It's not about whether you're in Paris or whether you're in Wichita, Kansas. It's the same thing. Yeah, you it's know, it's like what places. is the life? And I was thinking yeah. about this about even my life in LA. I was like, man, there's so many worlds. I have no idea, like what. I have no idea what like it's like to be a farmer in Bakersfield, right? Which is two hours from my house. Dude, you don't even know what it's like to live in Boyle Heights. Right, exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, come on. And, and nor, nor may you want to because it's a little risky after 10 o'clock. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> I've been thinking about like how we travel uh-huh. and um, what people want from those experiences and even why people travel in the first place because it's a modern phenomenon, I think, to some extent. This whole idea oh. of taking a vacation, I think, is oh, a pretty yeah. new thing. The last couple hundred years, for sure. Yeah. Um, um, although it seems like people really... always wanted to explore I got really there was always a human on, desire. I got a good deal on a weekend rate in Bakersfield at the Holiday Inn. Should do it. Yeah. Should do it. All right. You, you know there are no Airbnbs in Bakersfield. You checked. <laughs> sure there's someone. No, just because no one would want to go. Like, why would you go to? Well, Bakersfield? I always wonder about that because you because there are people Airbnb houses in places like that are really off the grid now. You're like Fresno. You're like who's coming to that? Yeah. But um, someone must be. Um, this, uh, this is a little bit of a tangent, but yes, it relates back to the, the issue in this episode. It's just like, what are you looking for when you travel? And like, I think what you look for when you travel is a little bit of a function of the sensory. Because I have friends, when they travel, it's just a list of restaurants. See, I, it really does. Not even fancy the... restaurants. Like they're going to right. Nashville and they want to try Nashville oh. hot chicken and they want to do biscuits here. And they want, you know, like that's their whole itinerary. Oh, it's totally what they're tuned to. Absolutely. Like I, I want to go to, I want to go to the state of Oaxaca in Mexico just uh-huh. because I love Oaxaca Mexican food. And I want to go to where, you know, where you it know, originates mole, from like... the guacamole, the mole, the clayuda, the, the nopales. I think, yeah. And you're, you know, and, and so I totally, and so that has to do with sensibility. Some people are, are totally into museums, so they'll travel all over the world just to do visuals, like your mom. There's some people that are totally tuned to music, and they want to go to Vienna or, or uh, what's that other place called? Another place that's famous for music in Europe. And uh, they want to go, yeah. they want to go for uh, all the concerts and the music. And so, yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, our sensibilities drive us to go on vacations and, and, and have, what did you call it? Adventures. And I think it's, there's also on the other side of it, it's like our cravings also, I think, will impact where we go. I think about Las Vegas a lot. Like people go to Las Vegas because they want a really um, specific experience. 
you know they want either they want yeah. the experience of gambling they want to see shows they want food they want a rush usually an adrenaline rush because there's something around vegas right. around a heightened experience um, so, so that would be kinesthetic that would be a kinesthetic person someone who wants to have that feeling of like gambling is very kinesthetic that's interesting i never thought about it uh, Go, uh, going going and doing like jumping out of airplanes or a balloon ride that's very kinesthetic yeah S swimming with sharks that's very kinesthetic some people need to have that kind of experience, experience. yeah I like to swim when I can <laughs> I like to water. so much fun we went from swimming with sharks to I like to swim I like to be in the tub I like, I like to, to be, be in my the bathtub tub. <laughs> But yeah, so know it for yourself. Here's here's my takeaway is know it for yourself as an artist and really double down on it to let it help you and inform you as an artist. And then also when you're working on narrative with character, make sure to assign your characters to give your characters more character, more base. How how are they different than you? Like where are they tuned? And then make sure that shows up in the in the script or the narrative. I love it. Your dominant sensory input experience. Oh. And and if I may, Adam, there, we have a lot of offerings this uh, at this time of year because it, October it's our, is crazy. It's our second year anniversary, October twentieth, downtown Los Angeles. Second year anniversary yeah. party. People on stage telling stories. Excellent vegan food. Friends, family, other writers, artists come. Come hang out. Come talk to us. We'll talk to you. We're the amazing Anne Randolph is scheduled to be there. I mean, we're honored to have her. That wow, be special guest. A super, super special. Special guest. Anne will be there. Uh, and then, and I, I'm teaching on Monday and Thursday nights uh, in Los Angeles. So if you're in Los Angeles and you want to come in for a class, DM me. Hit me up. Yeah, Josh is an details. amazing teacher. I've gotten so much from his classes and from his expertise over the years. Um those are he's got classes both on the on the east side and the west side <laughs> so he's got yes. you covered in la but they're really uh -huh. phenomenal experience if you want to bring your process to the next level do better work and really find community and support so supportive josh is incredibly supportive thank you thank you time yeah, again, really like send people email follow-ups about hey i was thinking about your piece and what if you tried this and <laughs> pretty, yeah pretty that's amazing. part of the fun right yeah yeah, and then, and, and then uh, on, on Tuesday, October twenty second, we're gonna have a really special evening of performance, and I believe Adam, you're gonna be involved. In, I'm gonna do in a story. I'm gonna do a story. It's gonna be October twenty second, the Fanatic Salon uh, in Culver City, and uh, it's gonna be a bunch of storytellers on stage. We did a show there in March, sold out. It was amazing. Wonderful people. So looking forward to that. And just uh, just a logistical note for the October twentieth second year anniversary party you need to dm joshua on facebook or instagram for the event location mm -hmm. um so just do that it's downtown right near the dorothy chandler pavilion uh, and the and disney the concert, concert hall right hall. next to so the same it's a great location who, who designed so, so we have a ton of events come spend some time with us always a good group mm -hmm. and uh we look forward to seeing you guys Go ahead and like us on Facebook and Instagram for all of our updates about events and episodes. You'll love it. Email us notes in your notes at gmail.com if you have an idea for a show that you want us to get into. The sound on this show is courtesy of Kevin McLeod and the editing is courtesy of me. We'll talk to you next week. Mm -hmm.